Radio, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story joining you. Well, let's see. It's for us the 24th of November, 2023, but we will be releasing this tomorrow on Saturday, which will be the 25th, and that's when you guys will be hearing it. We are going to try and make that a practice, make a specific day of release so that if we have to record at different days, uh, you guys still can kind of anticipate when you're going to get the the podcast drop. Try to be working on that consistency thing, you know? Uh, so hopefully that will be of benefit to you. It is the day after Thanksgiving, and uh, that's actually going to be a topic of discussion tonight, the whole concept of Thanksgiving. But we hope that you enjoyed a wonderful time to getting together with your families. We hope that uh, the, the food was good and the fellowship was good, and we pray that you uh, were all able to glorify the Lord in all that you said and did. Of course, we know holidays can always be one of those tricky times when the conversations can be a bit challenging. <laughs> so we pray that that went well for you. Uh, as always, want to remind you that we are part of the Christian podcast community. We really encourage you to check that out. You're always going to find really good content on there. And it's always a blessing to listen to the various podcast programs that have come together to extol Christ, to lift up his name, and to bless the saints in some capacity. So please, please check that out. Please also check out our our website, which is slavetothekingcom which if you go there right now, you'll find something a little bit different. <laughs> we actually posted for the first time a YouTube video. Uh, retirement has afforded me a little bit of, of uh, opportunity to play with some things. I'm learning to use a program called OBS, which is actually very user-friendly. If you want to make videos, uh, we don't get any sponsorship by saying this. It's a really useful program, and uh, the stuff out there on how to use it is, is pretty helpful. So uh, we actually posted a 10-minute video testing out uh, the equipment that we have to see if that is something that would be useful to the our audience, to the people that listen to this program, because we know some of you really prefer using YouTube. And uh, I know me, if I'm, if, if I uh, listen to say dividing line or uh, haunted cosmos and they have a video version up, I'm prone to put that up on video because you can see people's faces and there's an experience that's tangible that makes hearing and, and taking that information in a little bit different. So if that's something that benefits you guys, if you think that'll be useful to you, we're going to encourage you to go to the YouTube page and I'll put the YouTube page in our show notes and, um, and, and subscribe there. Because if we find that this is something that you guys would like, that it's beneficial to you in some way, then I will do my best to try and put more content out. Now I say, I will try my best because all the equipment to do this stuff is on my end. Rich is in the middle of nowhere and he operates on, on cell phone signal 90% of the time. So <laughs> um, a lot of the reason that we have this is because uh, we are fortunate enough to have a hardline internet where Rich is not always uh, in that position to do so. Uh, if that is going to be beneficial to you, we highly encourage you subscribe to the YouTube. Check out that 10-minute video. Uh, hopefully, that you'll find that uh, this brief discussion I had about a TikTok video where a young lady was holding up a newborn child and referring to him, him as a gay baby and wanting him to be gay. So, uh, yeah, please go check out the video. You'll you'll hear the discussion there. Um, also, if you find that's useful, there are more tools that we can use, but they require subscriptions. Things like 
uh, I think it's Zoom or another one is StreamYard. And they can actually open up other opportunities for us to do even more things if, again, this is something you as the listeners would find useful. So if that, if you find that the videos are going to be useful and that's something you would like us to do more of, what we would you know, just simply give to you as a possible way to help us with that is, number one, let us know. But number two, we do have a Patreon page. Again, if you go to our uh, our website, slavetothething.com, you can find the link to Patreon, and you can help contribute to that. Now, uh, just because I'm in retirement doesn't mean that I won't be going back to work. In fact, I have an appointment with a uh, a company on Monday, but it, you know, I hopefully will have a little more opportunity to do some of these things, and maybe we can coax Rich into believe uh, you know, <laughs> into getting onto video even. Uh, that, that's going to be a tough sell, guys, just saying. Uh, so, but maybe that would present more opportunities to not necessarily broaden our reach, but maybe make more options available to you as the listener or viewer so that the tools and, and resources we provide match the way you intake and, and learn from things better. If, if that makes more sense. So those are some options. So if this is beneficial, let us know. If you want to see more of it, please let us know. And if it is within your capability, if it is something the Lord places upon your heart and you would like us to, to make use of these tools, there is a way you can support that. And again, that's through Patreon. So uh, thanks to consider. Hopefully this is useful to you. So uh, with all that said, how are you doing this week, Rich? Oh, brother, as always better than I deserve. But let me ask you, my vanilla barilla, how are you doing? Vanilla barilla. <laughs> I am almost afraid to know, ask her, you got that. <laughs> well, I was going to say Elfzilla, but I didn't want to get that started again. I've been watching a lot of old monster movies this week. Uh, you know, we should be thankful for laughter, and that's kind of a segue into where we're going tonight mm-hmm. because I seriously doubt there's going to be much laughter after this. But, <laughs> yeah, that just rather popped into my head, my Vanilla Barilla. Vanilla Barilla, I have got to remember that one. Elfzilla might have been somewhat okay, only because there is a brand new Godzilla movie coming out in just a couple weeks that my wife and I want to go see, so I might have actually found that just as humorous. So <laughs> I love Godzilla movies, man. Um, and this one coming out of Japan looks absolutely fantastic so I'm, I'm looking forward to that oh, did you see that picture i posted because to me it looked just like godzilla was in front of a podcast mic yes yes that's from uh my understanding is that is from apple plus's monarch legacy of monsters limited series that they released which ties directly to all the movies that have been done here in america and I think if I remember that right, uh, the caption on that right, even though it does really look like a podcast, Mike, is that it was the U.S. military trying to nuke Godzilla back in the past. It's like not the best choice of trying to get rid of a, a, a you know a nuclear you know fire spitting monster, but okay, <laughs> that was yeah, a great one picture. Of those I just I just thought found it humorous because it looked to me like a podcast, Mike, and. Yeah, it's I like just, I shared it, and I think I tagged you in it. I just oh, thought yeah. it was rather funny. Absolutely, it's like Mr. Zilla. Why don't you give us uh, your input on all these, <laughs> all these military attacks against you? Well, let me tell you, <laughs> it really did look like he was about to get interviewed. I love that. <coughs> Excuse me, my goodness. All right, so with all that said, now there's one other thing I would like to know it for listeners. 
if you hear any improve improvement in audio for this episode, we have switched to some different equipment that recently had, you know, in recent history, probably within the last year was gifted to us. I did not know at the time that this could be used in the way we're using it now. And it seems to be on our end that the audio quality seems better or different than what we were using with our soundboard. And so for the person who gifted this to us about a year ago, I'm going to say again, thank you, because it has become a very big blessing. It's actually making it possible for me to do things like the video uh, the stuff on, on OBS. I wasn't aware that this was a possible uh, solution to using the soundboard. Had no clue. So if you hear something different, would you let us know if it sounds better to you uh, if it appears that this has actually improved the quality, I would like to know that because obviously we're going to be very subjective uh, because neither of us like the sound of our voice. So so uh, you, the listener, let us know that. So with that said, uh, br- brother, let's go ahead and get into this tonight. Um, you, you said it a little bit ago that this is not it, always an easy subject. I and mean, we've just come through the, the Thanksgiving holiday. Today is typically known as Family Day. Again, uh, the, uh, as we record this, it's the 24th of November, which is a Friday, also known as Black Friday. Also the time of, man, I really, we're, I'm really thankful yesterday and all the things I absolutely want now because they're on sale. Going from <laughs> super thankful to covetousness in a snap of a finger. Isn't that great? So, <laughs> but, uh, thankfulness is one of those subjects that when we start to talk about it can be very, very, well, it can be gut punching. Rich, you and I were talking about that in, in pre-show that it can be a bit of a gut punch because we know that we are to be thankful, but we live in this world and it is so difficult at times. It's so challenging at times. We live at a period in time in, a, in our culture, especially if you live in places like here in America. We do know that some of you listen outside the United States, Canada uh, and overseas in the UK and stuff, which we are very grateful for. Thank you. And so you guys may even know the difficulties of navigating this really secular humanist Marxist culture, uh, culturally Marxist uh, you know, uh, culture, where it is apparent that we are living in a time when all the sights of of those who oppose God are being beginning to be turned on his people. And so how is it you're to be thankful? I mean, what's going on around us? This this insanity, this attack against rationality and logic, attack against morality, attack against God and scripture. How on earth can I be thankful in these period in these times? Not to mention just the challenges of living life. I mean, I, I the a uh, friend of ours on Twitter has been sharing this poor mom's uh, plight as she has a son who is dealing with RSV, and I've had opportunity to see the posts of all the difficulties, and it just is. It seems like every post, it's not looking good for this child. How do you go? By the way, please pray for that boy. Please be praying that the you know the Lord would heal his lungs. But how do you live in and and be thankful? In, in those things? How do you come to the Lord with a heart of thankfulness? And so the first thing I wanted to do, brother, is, is just read this one section uh, out of uh, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Paul writes to the church in, in Philippi, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the peace and and the uh, god of peace will be with you. You know, he's closing out this this uh letter to the Philippians and the thing that he brings to them as you go through this passage and he's talking about you know uh going through suffering. He he himself is in prison for the sake of the gospel that they themselves will suffer as he has suffered. That um that they are to do all things without grumbling and disputing that, you know, here's, you know, Timothy and Epaphroditus that uh, he's, he's discussing and how Epaphroditus himself had been severely ill, almost to the point of death uh, to, you know, he, talking about the, the, um, as he puts them, the dogs look out for the evildoers, those who mutilate the flesh. Talking about, of course, the uh, the Jews who sought to bring Christians under the law to take the you know that Christ was not enough. Look out for these people. He's calling all of this and and warning them against those who have walked away from Christ or those who are enemies of Christ. And then he closes by saying rejoice in the Lord. So here's all this difficulty. Here's all these challenges. And yet he says, rejoice in the Lord and do not be anxious, but with prayer and supplication, by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, bring your request to God. So, I mean, the thing that I, I, I look at brother, when I, when I see this is how on earth Hey, you've just hit me with heavy thing, heavy thing, heavy thing. And then you say, when you pray to God, number one, don't be in a, in a state of constant worry. But number two, do it with thanksgiving. Like actually be thankful. Here's all these challenges, but be thankful. And I think the 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 key to that, this idea of being thankful in all of these difficulties, in all of these challenges, in all of this suffering, is what he says in verse 8, and really is a theme throughout the entirety of the letter. And he says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, think about these things. I believe what we see in here, and he there's a another passage that I want to address in this, but what we're seeing is, what are we focused on? What is our heart and mind focused on? If we look at the letter of Philippians and we look at the challenges that he brings forth, if we look at them with eyes focused on this world and what's happening solely in my life or in the life of those I care about 
or in my culture, my community, etc., if my eyes are permanently fixed on the here and now in the temporal, and it's not to say that they never can be, but if that's where they are primarily fixed, thankfulness becomes very difficult because we tend to evaluate what whether something is good or bad on the basis of what am I seeing and 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 is it what I want? And I don't mean that in a flippant way, like, well, this is just not the life I expected. That's not what I'm talking about. We evaluate it from a very temporal place where we tend to think if something bad is happening, then that that can't possibly be a good thing from God. In fact, we often hear that from people that, well, this can't be from God because God would not want me to have to endure this. Or why would God want his people to go through this? Why would God allow this bad thing? So it's this tendency to evaluate whether something is good for us by how uncomfortable or how difficult it is making the lives of ourselves, the church, our, our family members. And we say, I can't be thankful for that. How, how can I be thankful? I mean, I've lost my job. My, my, my wife is very ill with, with this, this uh, disease that could kill her or, or like the, you know, like I was talking about before, the, the mother who's desperately concerned about her, the life of her son. How can I possibly be thankful for that? And it's because of where our, our heart and mind is focused. Paul is exhorting the Philippians to think on things above, to think on the things that from God that are honorable, pure, lovely, commendable, and, and, and excellent. Well, what, what, what meets that criteria? What could possibly, what could we be, possibly be focused on that would give us a heart of thankfulness in the midst of all these things. Mind you, in the first chapter, Paul is speaking about his imprisonment. He's speaking about how he's been imprisoned for the gospel and how it's actually been a good thing because Caesar's household knows he's been imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. And that there are some who are preaching out of contempt for Paul just to kind of rub it in his face with false motivations. And yet, he is saying this is a good thing. And then he tells the Philippians, you know, in fact, in that same passage, he's saying he's torn between life and death. Like if he could die and go to heaven, that would be wonderful. But for the sake of the Philippians and others, he will remain in this life. I mean, that's, that's the point that he's reached. This is how desperate his situation feels to him, that he is despairing of life and desires to depart and be with the Lord, you know, yet he will remain for their sake. And so he says in verse 27 of chapter one, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now, there's a key point, that they are of one mind, striving for the faith of the gospel. There's one of these key points. What is the mind that we are to have? It is a mind focused on Christ, a mind focused on the gospel that we are striving in Christ 
for the sake of the gospel, that we are preaching the gospel. And then what does he say about this? That when we they're striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, verse 28, and not frightened by anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but yours of your salvation and that from God. That they're striving in this one mind for the sake of the gospel is a clear sign. When they are not, when we are not afraid by, of our opponents, we are not afraid of worldly arguments. When we are not afraid of, uh, of the the attacks of the world and the persecutions to come, what does that say to the world? Our mind is fixed. It is fixed on Christ, and you take me out of this world. All you've done is put me in front of my Savior. We have no fear of them because we focused on Christ. And to them, that is a clear sign of destruction for them because we have nothing to fear. Yet when they face Christ, they have eternity to fear. And then he says, verse 29, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Paul is saying, strive for the sake, or strive side by side for the faith of the gospel, to be of one mind. And guess what? You're going to suffer for it. In the opening chapter, he's saying, you as Christians will suffer for the sake of the gospel. And as he closes, he says, but don't be anxious and in your prayers be thankful. And I think that the way that we do that is he calls them to be like Christ, to have the mind of Christ, which was what we find in chapter 2. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count, your, count others more significant than yourselves. With, have this, excuse me, I got ahead of myself. Verse four, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And to way to understand it is like be grasped and held on to or fought for for his own advantage. Okay, think of it that way. Not just that he grabbed it, but rather he's clinging tightly to it. He, he goes, that's not something I need to do. He did not think, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon on him the name that is above every name, so that the, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Rich. When he is saying that, he's saying, have this mind in Christ. 
humble yourself before the Lord. Make others more significant than yourselves. And don't look only to your own interests, which is not, it's not to say you're not allowed to think of yourself in any way. Of course, you have to provide for yourself. You have to provide for your family. But rather, don't just be solely focused on yourself, but be focused on the needs of others. And then he points us to the ultimate example in Christ, who humbled himself, stepped down out of the throne, out of, uh, out of glory, into this world, took on flesh, and humbled himself to the point of death. Why? So that we who are in Christ can be forgiven and spend eternity with him. That is our motivation, that Christ himself endured far more than you or I will ever endure. I mean, he left the throne of glory to come to this world in human flesh, endured every temptation that you or I will ever face, yet without sin, and lived really a, a life of lowly servitude, was hated and despised, was questioned, was his parentage was questioned. He, he did not live a life uh, that was easy by any stretch. And then even more worse, he is counted as sin, uh, sinful, even though he had no sin, for our sakes, dies a death that we deserve so that we could receive his righteousness in the great exchange. That is the humility that we are called to. And so when he talks about all of these, these uh, terrible things, these sufferings, these trials, these tribulations. What is it that is to motivate the Christian to be thankful for that? It is to be, I am being conformed to the image of Christ, the very one who was humbled the most low of any man who ever walked this earth and had no justification for that to happen to you except for his willingness to endure it for our sake. And that's why when we get to chapter three, he talks about, you know, the, uh, he says the dogs, the evildoers, those who mutilate the flesh. These are these, the Jews who think there's something about themselves, about how they keep the law that they can be prideful about. And he said, he, he, Paul lists his credentials, his bona fides. He says, they think they're so hot. Let me tell you about what I did. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Uh, you know, I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was blameless under the law. I, I, I was a persecutor of the church. Everything that you could imagine that would make me something in the eyes of these people, that's what I was and then some. And what does he then say? Indeed, I count everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything he accomplished that far surpasses all these people that would come against the church. It was all garbage. It was worthless for the surpassing knowledge of Christ. And he would be willing to suffer the slings and arrows, to suffer the beatings, to suffer the imprisonments, to suffer for being stoned and left for dead, you know, being shipwrecked, all of these things. He was willing to endure for the surpassing knowledge worth of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord, being conformed to the image of Christ. So how is it Paul can then say, when you pray, be thankful because of having that mind of Christ and striving forward in the gospel. That's what we're called to. That's what we're called to be.
We are to have this mind focused on Christ, looking to things above, looking to what he has commanded us, looking to his word, and realizing what he has called us to, what he has called us to be, and then realizing that everything we will then go through is him conforming us. It's like being the, the, you know, the gold or the silver putting through the refiner's fire, being purified with all the dross being brought to the surface and skimmed off. He's purifying us. So how can I, ha- how can I not be anxious? I, I'm horrified that you know, I, I could be losing my job. Bring that petition to the Lord. I'm horrified because the culture is going after my kids. Bring your petitions to the Lord. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm terrified because, the, you know, the the church is so compromised. Take your petitions to the Lord in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, because everything you're seeing happen to you, everything that's happening to you, to your family, to the church, to the culture at large, is God's will. And he's appointed you, as as my pastor once pointed out to me, he has appointed you for this time to endure these things that he might conform you to the image of Christ. That is where we can look for it and go and be thankful and rejoice. Because even though it's painful, even though it hurts, even though it's just, it's destructive to to the emotional state and to our minds and souls at times. We recognize it is God's will for us to endure these things that we might then be humbled, purified, and serve him in these days. What do you think, Rich? Are we on track here when it talks about how to be thankful? I believe so, brother. Um, A couple of things I'd like to address. First, the how, and then I'm going to drop a Spurgeon bomb on the why. Um, When I finish with the how, if you have something you'd like to put in, jump in there, Mm -hmm. but... On the how, how are we to give thanks to Christ during these turbulent times in our life, during whether it be persecution, and us Christians in America today, we don't know persecution. Um, We have brothers and sisters in parts of this world that actually are enduring real persecution right now to where they're being hunted down, put in jail, and shot and killed for owning one page from the Bible. And that is not hyperbole. That is a fact. That is going on right now around the world. We Christians in America, we don't know what true persecution looks like. You know, we may get annoyed at a few things here and there, or, you know, when a social media platform kicks us off because of something we posted. That's, that's a form of persecution, but that's not the type of persecution that Paul is addressing. I mean, he was literally chased out of one city after another, people trying to kill him, mobs of people trying to stone him to death over the gospel he was proclaiming, which is he was proclaiming the biblical way of salvation in Christ. But how? How do we endure these things in Thanksgiving during all of these very turbulent times, whether it be persecution, sickness, illness, you know, finances, all the daily things that we face? How do we give thanks during those turbulent times? Well, the how is really quite simple. We've developed and learned to be thankful in the small things every day and to be thankful 
in the in the blessings that we receive to be thankful in the blessings we receive that we don't even know that we're receiving the grace the mercies the gifts from god that come along every day both known and unknown you know we don't know the lord may have laid something on our heart to turn left instead of right going home from work and if we'd have went one way instead of the other we may have been in some severe wreck these little things that we never are aware of the lord is working in our lives directing our lives and we don't know the blessings and everything that the lord is doing for us but we should be aware of the blessings that we see um and i'll get into this a little bit more in a moment but that to me ultimately that's the big answer is in how do we give thanks during these turbulent big things is that we give thanks in the small everyday things what do you think brother i absolutely agree and it's it's recognizing as you say the sovereign hand of God in everything that's going on. So you give the example of turning left instead of turning right. You know, there, how many of us have, oh man, I missed my turn. Now I'm going to be late. How do you know that there was an accident that could have happened on that intersection if you had had not missed that turn? You know, if you if, if you had made that turn. We don't know. We don't know what it is God is doing. So I absolutely agree with you. It is recognizing that every breath that I take, every moment of my life, every little thing that happens is something by which I am to be thankful to God for because he is sovereignly working in our lives at every moment. If God turned his eye away for even a moment, you know, if he did not have his eyes on you, if he did not have plans for you, if he was not sovereignly working in your life, chaos could reign in your life. And it may feel like chaos to you right now because you're in it. But yet God, if it, you know, he would not be God if he was not sovereignly working in that. You know, it would be, a, it would be, well, I can never trust God because if he takes his eyes off me, which is sadly, you and I have heard this. People who try to essentially apologize for you know, for God, in a sense, well, God didn't intend this. God, what God was not in that. Yeah, you know, that's a God who is letting the world spin out of control, and He's like, well, powerless to help. You know, yet God sovereignly working in every moment of your life and preserving you in ways you'll never know, brother. I absolutely agree with you, one hundred percent. Well, and getting into the why, and this gets rather deep. I'm not going to go. I found a sermon by Charles Spurgeon. I'm not going to go through the entire sermon, but I'm going to hit a few points. The, the, the link to this particular sermon will be in the show notes, and I would encourage everyone that's listening to this episode to go read through that sermon. Um, this is one of those times to where doing my own show notes on this episode. Not only did I get a gut punch going through it the first time, I've gone back through it two or three times, and it seems like every time I go back through it, I either end up with another black eye or another gut punch, and at times it's almost like Spurgeon just giving me a major uppercut in the jaw. <laughs> so this may be hard to receive, but ask the Lord to open your heart and grant you understanding in this. Because I will use the word you going through this, but keep in mind, 
it hit me before it hit you because this is one of those really, really, for every Christian, it should be a reality check, a gut punch, a wake-up call to really consider these things. And you talking about Paul in this particular book, not only is thankfulness a theme throughout the New Testament, it also is a theme in the Old Testament. There, there, there's certain things that happen when we forget to be thankful to God. We forget to be thankful to Christ in these small things. And, and believe it or not, Paul actually addresses the why really hard in one of his books. And I'll get to that during the course of this because Spurgeon addressed this really well. Um, some of this I'm going through will be from my own notes and thinking points, from some from Scripture, some from the Spurgeon sermon and a couple of other resources, but I'm not going to spend the time breaking it down, but read through the links that we provide because some of this information is in there. First, I'd like to start in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8. Paul wrote, But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Then we go to Matthew 3, verse 4. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Now I'm going to jump back a little bit more. We go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, beginning in verse 25. Do not be anxious. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed, clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And this emulates what you were saying, and this closes out in verse 33. But Paul was reemphasizing much of what the Lord himself has stated. Now, think about this deeply for a moment, people. How many of us would be content to eat only locusts and wild honey each day? Most of us wouldn't even want to eat a locust, much less be thankful the Lord provided it as nourishment. And think about wearing a garment of camel's hair. How long would it be before we started to complain about that? And even if the food provided was a delight to our palate, how long could any of us eat the same thing day in and day out, day in and day out, before we started complaining and lose gratitude for having anything at all? Yeah. You want to add anything there, Chris? No, keep going, brother. You're doing great. All right. Now, notice what is not mentioned in those passages. Notice what is not mentioned by, the, by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In that passage in Matthew, nowhere 
was it mentioned about a roof over our head. Nowhere was it mentioned about we have somewhere dry to lay down and sleep at night. Nowhere is it mentioned that we would be warm in winter or cool in summer. Not to mention, nowhere at all was it mentioned about living in prosperity, wealth, having influence, having fame, to be well-known and, you know, have several hundred thousand followers on social media. Not to mention, you know, being liked by people around us. And it's not even mentioned about having good health or great health or living, you know, without the aches or pains of the day. But what did our Lord and Savior say? With food and clothing, we should be satisfied. Think about that. Mm -hmm. With food and clothing, we should be satisfied. Not the best food, not the best clothing, not more food than we need, not more clothes than we need, but we should be satisfied with enough to sustain us today. We should be satisfied with having clothes on our back today. You know, and especially being Christians in the United States, we take so much of this for granted. You know, we have... We just finished Thanksgiving where we gorged ourselves to death. And, you know, a lot of us may have been online or in stores today shopping and getting mad and upset because we missed that $50 deal on this item or that item. But here we look back at, at John, who had nowhere to live. He lived out in the wilderness. He ate locust and honey every day and was had camel's hair for a either a cloak or some type of jacket and a leather belt around his waist. That was it. And the Lord Jesus himself refers back to this with food and clothing. With that, we should be content. Anything above that is a blessing from God himself. Even having food enough for the day and clothes on our back for the day is a blessing for, from the Lord himself. Now, talking about Thanksgiving, um, how many of us, ended up disappointed that we couldn't attend a certain gathering with family or friends over this holiday, you know, because of either our sickness or our health or disease in our life, or we had to work or whatever. And I was guilty of this. Uh, my current situation, I can't get out and travel. I didn't get to go enjoy a particular family gathering and see one of my sons that I haven't seen in nearly a couple of years. And, you know, it's a long story, but I let myself get a bit bummed out this week. And I realized instead of feeling sorrow and pity for myself, I should be giving thanks for the health of that family member. I should be giving thanks that they were able to travel four hours from where they lived to this particular relative's house. I should have been giving thanks for those that were able to be there and gather together instead of feeling sorry for myself and wallowing in my own pity. I should have been giving thanks to the Lord for blessing them to be able to be there and gather together. Now, getting into this, and this will be the title of this week's show, The Sin of Unthankfulness. And this is something I, I, I got from Spurgeon, I learned from Spurgeon, and I call it a Spurgeon bomb because this is where the gut punch comes in. Spurgeon writes, and this is from that particular sermon, Unthankfulness is a sin for which there is no excuse if it be attended with knowledge. I fear there are thousands who call themselves Christians who are not thankful, and yet they never thought themselves very guilty on that account. Yet you see these sinners were without excuse because they were guilty of a great sin before God, 
and that sin was unthankfulness. I tremble both for myself and you when I see want of thankfulness set set in the front ranks of sin. Now, once again, this particular sermon, the, show, the link is in the show notes, and I encourage you to read it. Like I said, I'm not going to go through every point, but there are a few things that really jumped out, on, out at me, and this is from another portion. Some show this unthankfulness in another way, for they always dwell most in what they have not got. They have manna, and that is angel's food, but then they have no fish, and this is, ready, this is a ready theme for grumbling. Thankless rebels, and, I, and have I not known some of God's servants say that they enjoy much of the presence of their Lord, but they have no riches, and so they are not among the favored ones. Over their pot of poverty, they fetch up a deep groan. Some live in the presence of God, so they tell us, and they are full of divine delights, but yet they are greatly afflicted with aches and pains and all the dollars of rheumatism, all the sufferings of rheumatism, and therefore they murmur. I admit that rheumatism is a dreadful pain enough, but at the same time to dwell always on the dark side of things and to forget our mercies is a sad instance of ingratitude. We are few of us as thankful as we ought to be, and there are some people who are not thankful at all, for instead of a song concerning their mercies, their life is one long dirge for their miseries. We can be guilty of unthankfulness also by never testifying to the goodness of God, not proclaiming our salvation ever once to a lost soul bound by the chains of sin and death, falling to the pits of hell and eternal punishment in the wrath of God. If we be truly saved, then our gratitude of salvation should bear fruit in seeking to proclaim the words of eternal life to those we come across in our daily lives. We should not only be giving thanks for our own salvation, but honoring all Christ did on our behalf for said salvation. And here's where Spurgeon gets back to where Paul had actually answered the why himself in the book of Romans. It seems that these people of whom Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1 fell into all kinds of bitterness, such as envy, murder, deceit, Malignity, whispering, backbiting, hating of God, they became spiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, and so forth. Well, if your spirit is not sweetened by the adoration and the love of God, it will grow bitter. If love does not reign, hate will rule. Look at unthankful people. Hear them talk. Nobody's character is saved. There is no neighbor whom they will not slander. There is no Christian man whom they will not misrepresent. The very angels of God would not be saved from suspicion. They live near to people of that kind. But when you glorify God as God and are thankful for everything, when you can take up a bit of bread and a cup of cold water and say with a poor Puritan, what, all this and Christ too? Ingratitude is a sin with severe repercussions. Referencing Romans 1, 18 through 32, once again, gives a detailed description of the downfall of a person or society listed alongside idolatry, homosexuality, and every kind of rebellion is unthankfulness. Verse 21 says, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. This tells us that God takes gratefulness and ungratefulness 
seriously. As long as a person or a culture remains thankful to God, they retain a sensitivity to his presence. Thankfulness towards God requires a belief in God at the very least, and ingratitude fails to fulfill our responsibility to acknowledge him. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Psalms 100, verse 4. When we refuse to be thankful or to express gratitude, we grow hard-hearted and proud. We take for granted all God has given us and become our own gods. And gratitude toward God is not so much a cause of evil, but the result of it. Once we have hardened our hearts to the point that we no longer see God as the source of our gifts, nothing is off limits. We become a law unto ourselves. One reason the Bible takes such a strong stance against unthankfulness and ingratitude may be that God knows that the end result of such arrogance is a reprobate mind. When we remind ourselves often that all we are and all we have is a gift from God, James 1.17, we are guarding ourselves against idolatry and pride. We may learn wisdom from the people of Tyre and Sidon from verse um, from Acts chapter 12, verses 20 through 25. We may learn wisdom from the people of Tyre and Sidon, for we have offended the Lord with our sins. We depend on him for life and breath and all things. It surely then behooves us to humble ourselves before him and give thanks for both the known and unknown blessings, mercies, and help he grants us, and to our families and to all those known by him. That was that last portion was paraphrased from a Matthew, Matthew Henry commentary on Acts 12. So, brothers and sisters, the why we should be thankful in the little things is first, if we're not thankful in the little things, we will never be able to be thankful in the big things. And if we never show gratitude to God, Romans 1 tells us what that leads to. God equates unthankfulness and ingratitude along the lines of all those horrendous sins and actions listed in Romans 1. Being thankful and humble to God prevents us from becoming a God of ourselves. It prevents us from becoming a slave of our emotions and situations. Paul, that was the secret to Paul's success. He relied completely on God and God's work and God's mercies and took no pride in anything that could have been attributed to him and his success, and, and what he wrote, and what he said. He plainly states over and over again, all of that was a gift from God for glory to Christ, that he should be counted as nothing. And if nothing else, we need, we need to remember what John stated that's in John chapter 3. He must increase, but I must decrease. The more we decrease, the more thankful we should be to Christ himself for all that he granted to us. And when is the last time any of us in prayer gave thanks to the Lord for the salvation he granted to us, much less the air and the life that we have, brother? Amen. Now, is that not really something deep and hard to think on? It absolutely is. It absolutely is. It, 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 when we have that heart of unthankfulness, and it's, it's something that can happen very easily, as we dwell upon, you know, you, you, you quote from Scripture that with, you know, basically having the, the basic provisions of life that we are to be thankful. 
when we start to focus beyond that and 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 basically say but i don't have this or because of that what we're saying to god is you have not done enough and that is where the the first steps to that ingratitude and unthankfulness begin and the more we dwell there rather than as paul says to have the mind of christ to think on him and what he has done and how he has blessed us and how he has redeemed us how he is constantly forming us and looking at what those basic provisions have that the, the as you say even the breath that the air that we breathe the, the breath we take into our lungs are gifts from god that's where ingratitude begins to form and so when paul says don't be anxious well if you're and this is one of those things where it's everybody's going to have a, a, a say, well, what about this situation or what about that situation? We're not talking about, you know, specific mental health issues where anxiety might be an issue. And there are ways we can discuss that where it may or may not be an, a, a legitimate issue. But that's not what we're discussing. We're talking about anxiousness in the sense of not trusting in the Lord, not trusting in his provision, not trusting that what is going on is God's will. And then you're, tr you're praying, but you're doing so with this anxiousness and ingratitude in a sense, rather demanding of God that he put things right. According to our uh, view of things. Hey brother. Yes. I'd like to jump in there for just a moment. Mm -hmm. um, being anxious is not a sin. And I know, I just heard a thousand of our listeners <laughs> recall because that seems to be the thing today. It's not the fact that not being anxious itself is not a sin. Sometimes it's what we're anxious about can be sinful. But in these passages, when Christ, when Paul, when we're told over and over again by Scripture, do not be anxious, it's not a condemnation that that's a sin. It's a reassurance that God says, you don't have to be anxious. I'll take care of you. Mm -hmm. Just trust in me. I'll see things through to my will and to my glory. I'm not going to do it and work it out the way that you necessarily want, but I'm going to do it in a way that's best for you to accomplish my will and in God's sovereignty. We, uh, God owes us no explanation mm -hmm. in the how and why things happen and the way things come about. In this particular perspective, <coughs> when it talks about food and clothing, we're being reassured from Christ that we will receive the basic necessities mm -hmm. of life. And I, I didn't look up which Puritan quote that was from, but bread and cold water, I have all of this plus Christ too, that should be something that really locks into our memory. And think about that. And like I said, I wish I had thought to look up which Puritan that quote was from. But this Puritan was writing about the fact that they had bread and they had cold water. They had this abundant bounty to sustain them. Plus, they had Christ too. What more could I ever want? Mm -hmm. And the sad thing is, especially in this day and age and in America where we've been told we can have our cake and eat it too, so to speak, 
you know, the, the, the constitution in America dream bigger and better and have everything seems to somehow or another people think that that's actually part of scripture, which it's not. The Lord promises to sustain us, but it does not promise prosperity, wealth, and all these other things. So if we're, if we have food and clothing today, and yet we're worried about how much we're going to have a week from now, or we're worried that, that, you know, well, I only have this such, such size house, you know, Tom down the road, he's got one three times as big as mine. Why can't I have one like that? If we're anxious over trying to achieve and equal what someone else has, and we're anxious over that, then yes, that would be a sin. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope people are understanding that. Um, the reason I caveat it is because you and I both know, well, you're not considering X, Y, Z. Um, what we're simply saying is you know, that if we are lacking trust in the Lord, that we are not uh, willing to um, faithfully bring our petitions to Him th- and being thankful for the ability not only to do that, but thankful for His provision and what He will do uh, with the, that prayer. That's where the uh, the sin of thanklessness comes in. And so we we want to encourage people as we're as we're wrapping things up here. This is not to to beat all of us up, though. As Rich rightly pointed out, this you know that uh, content from you know uh, preachers like Spurgeon can really expose a, a, an issue of uh, sinfulness in our lives, and it can really be a gut punch. It should then remind us that we need to submit to the Lord, trust in his word, submit to Christ, you know, have that mind, have that mind focused on the gospel, serving alongside one another, and let that then draw us to a, a place of thankfulness instead of thanklessness. Don't let this be a, uh, a, a an episode that makes you feel, oh, I'm so terrible because I, I, you know, I've been sinning in this way. Let it then be a place where you go, I have failed here, and let me then repent and grow in this area because I've I, we've all heard somebody, you know, Christians typically say, well, you know, we yeah, we have Thanksgiving, but we should be thankful 365 days a year. Absolutely agree with that. Now, I don't have a problem with the concept of Thanksgiving because it's a day in which we can be reminded to be thankful and to express that thanks that we should be having all year long. So that doesn't bother me that we have such a such a holiday to you know to express that and be reminded of it. But it should be something that draws us back to go. Let us be thankful daily to thankfully bring our prayers and petitions to the Lord. So um, hopefully this has been helpful to you guys this week. Rich, before we uh, send everybody off, any last thoughts that you want to share? Well, I, I know someone's thinking this because I thought the same thing going through some of these notes. Well, what about wanting to do better for my family and provide for my family and down the road? We're not talking about, well, I've got food and clothing today. It means I don't have to work. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. No, Paul labored as a tent maker. It's nothing wrong with wanting to honestly work and provide for our family and do these things. But in doing so, the, the extra that we have 
we are to use that to help others who have not. That's what Paul talks about in other letters, that basically times of lacking, I was not in need because of the, the, the grace and the benefit from those that had plenty. During our times of plenty, we're to use the extra that we have to help others. It's those times of greediness and the times of greed that, and covetousness and jealousy that we experience in all of our lives to where it's not a matter of, that. okay, I want to do better for my family, but that's fine. But it's not just that I want to do better for my family. <laughs> I want more and more and more and more and more. And basically, we're sitting living off the fat that we have not willing or even desiring to help others in need around us, brother. And that's kind of mm-hmm. one of the things that just kind of jumped out at me. And I hope this episode's been beneficial. And like you said, if a listener has found this to be a bit of a gut punch, use it as a time to reflect and repent and ask the Lord to help you to be more thankful for the little everyday things that come along in our lives. You know, it's easy to dwell on what we don't have. It's easy to dwell on things that we want and things that we think would make us happy and to dwell on things that say, well, Lord, if you'll just give me this, I would be satisfied. We have a tendency to become the more we have, the more we want, and the more we get, the less we're thankful for what we have and the less we're thankful for what we were, where we were at when we began. And um, one little side note, if any of our listeners know where that, what Puritan quote that that was from that Spurgeon stated, I'd love to know. Just shoot us an email or reply in one of the comment sections on social media. But I really pray and hope this episode has been beneficial to some of our listeners in some way, brother, because I am so thankful that the Lord blesses us with this time together. I'm thankful the Lord blesses me with you in my life. I'm so glad and thankful that the Lord blesses us with our listeners. And I'm thankful for all the family, the friends, and all those brothers and sisters that the Lord places in our life and the way that each individual helps, blesses, and prays for us in different ways. So I'd like to thank the Lord for each and every one of you at this time. Amen. Amen. I would simply echo that. I don't think I could express my thanks uh, any better than what you've just said there, brother. So I'm simply going to echo Rich's uh, sentiments on this issue. Uh, Folks, we are grateful for you. We are grateful that the Lord is giving us this opportunity to speak with you and to talk about these things and try to be of some help in some way. So we pray that this is uh, encouraging to you, helpful, even in that way that that all gives us that gut check and goes, wow, I need to, I need to really rethink my attitude toward these things. And, and, and this week, find a way to, to examine your own walk in areas that you might be struggling with thankfulness and, and how you express that to the Lord in your prayers. And then spend time doing with that and then express your thankfulness Sit down and think about the things the Lord is doing in your life. Even though each and every one of us is facing difficulties, and some of us more so than others, there are still ways that you can look to the Lord and look at the things that He's doing in your life and realize you can be thankful and you ought to be thankful for His, His mercy in your life. And so find ways to express that and then let this motivate you to make this a daily 
habit, as it should for Rich and I as well. Believe me, we're no we're no different than you when on this issue. And so we want to encourage all of us to do this. So thank you for spending time with us with this week. We pray that your your Thanksgiving week with your family was a blessed one. We look forward to spending time with you next week. God bless you guys. Good night. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.